Hey, I am welcoming the fantastic Ben Kaznick to the podcast today. Ben has contributed to the Green Umbrella blog a few times over the last few years, and I'm really pleased to get him on the show so we can talk marketer to marketer about some of the trends we're seeing in the market, what the future is, what the challenges are from a marketing perspective. Um, Ben and I have exchanged content a few times. Like I said, he was a guest blogger, um, or still is, and I've contributed um, some content to the companies working with currently as well. So although we've shared things and we've been in conversation for a couple of years, this is the first time we're kind of meeting in a format that isn't email and isn't a LinkedIn message. So yeah, I'm really excited to be having a chat. Hi, Ben, how are you doing? Christina, how are you? Excellent, excellent, excellent. So we're recording right from the word go. So um, we can just get into things and have a chat. Sure, absolutely. Fantastic. Nice to finally talk to you. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, Yeah. Cool. So Ben, obviously we've known each other for for quite a while now, even though we haven't met properly. Um, But if you can just tell people that are listening just a little bit about yourself um, obviously you work with Maple at the minute. So just introduce us to that as well. And what you're doing right now. Sure. Um, I started off in content, content marketing. Um, and I was working for different companies. I was working for a social media tool called eClincher, which was awesome. Um, and then, and then I just landed on e-commerce and I, I got a job in a giant floor lamp company, which they, they just became the top floor lamp company on Amazon. Um, which is crazy. They just launched in 2012, maybe 2013. And back then there was no one selling floor lamps really. So they just, they just, uh, they took off like crazy. So then I did that for three years and just learned e-commerce marketing from beginning to end. And then now I'm back to content and I'm doing working for Maple, which is kind of an upgraded version of Upwork. It's like a much more, it's like on Upwork, you go and you find someone you don't, there's no vetting process and no one really holds your hand and you just kind of, you, do, you know, you do your best, you pick somebody and you work with them. But with Maple, they also have their own network of marketers, but they only have the top experts and they talk to the brand and then they pick the best expert that has on average 12, 12 years of experience in, in that industry, you know? So for that brand, they don't have to do any of the legwork and then they get the results, you know, and it's all based on proven results, which is really, it's really interesting. I think it's, it's called like a service marketplace in mm. a way. So cool. So yeah, it, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I'm asked quite often, you know, how do you know you found the right marketing agency or the, or even from a, from a recruitment perspective, if you're looking to bring a marketer into your team, it's actually quite difficult to know that you've, you've found the right person that's going to be able to represent your brand in the right way and, and kind of, you know, get into things and be part of the culture. Um, and I think that's one of the things that Maple's able to do quite nicely in that the way that the software works. And um, I mean, what, what, what do you think? Are there any kind of key, key tells, if you like, when it comes to bringing someone into your business? Yeah. I mean, the hardest thing is to know what were their results last time. And so I remember when I was hiring somebody for Instagram growth, all these people were saying, yeah, I could do this and I could do that and I could do this. And I really just judged them based on their result. 
How many followers did you get? Right? How, and how long did it take you? You know, and, and then I picked somebody based on that. In one year, she got X amount of followers. And then that person was successful because they've done it before. So we got, you know, 30,000 followers in a year. But um, I think that's the key that you got to get somebody who already has done it before and has done it successfully. It's hard to know, you know, how, how do you prove that, right? How do you, how you know that? So with Maple, what we do is we just do PPC, basically, mainly PPC. And so what we do, we have a direct connection to their, they share with us their ad account. And we just get that data and we just display it. And so we, you know, we have all these, instead of testimonials or reviews, we have their exact um, results from their last campaign. And so in that way, not only do we know they've done it before, we've done, we know their results, you know. It's kind of a direct way to prove it. I think most people nowadays, they just go for personality. Does their personality match? They seem like they know what they're talking about. I, I can kind of speak their language, but you know, it's everything's so global now. So we have people all over the world doing PPC for us, for these brands. And we kind of, we match it on the results, basically on their ROI. When it comes to taking a brand and like, you know, thinking about, so like back in, obviously when we first met you were with eClincher, that's the, you know, we still use eClincher as our social scheduling tool. Cool. Um, and, and for its automation, that kind of thing. But it was it was very early on for eClincher. So they were still kind of working on their go-to-market strategy. And I know Maple is um, is kind of a, well, certainly to, to me, it was a quite a new brand. Um, so what kind of tips have you got from a marketing perspective when it comes to, you know, that, that go-to-market strategy, especially when it's something like software as a service? I think the most important thing is just to narrow your focus. You know, it's so, I always want to, you know, let's, let's go do 10 different things and then let's see if that works. And so in, in, with Maple, they're really good. They just narrow on exactly what they want to do. So they're just focusing on PPC experts and they're just getting brands and they could do lots of things for brands, you know, content or whatever, but we're just doing that one thing. So I think that's important with your product. With your product, you should narrow exactly on the specific persona, the specific benefit of your product. And then in terms of marketing the product, I think definitely trying different things and not, you know, most people try something once, it fails, they quit. You know, in, in marketing, you learn that you can optimize something. You can make a little tiny change and it becomes ROI positive or becomes, you know, it can break even and then you can grow it. So that kind of long-term thinking. Yeah. People are so impatient, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're so kind of like, they, they want, they, they want the results today. Yeah. That's definitely true. But I think long-term thinking is really important. So it also, you know, it depends on who you're working with. Some people really don't know marketing. Some people don't, don't understand it or don't trust it or whatever. I think there's a real shift in attitudes at the minute. Um, like I said, whether it's because of the the global pandemic or or what, I, I don't know. But it's 
traditionally, we're always battling with people that see marketing as a cost to their business rather than an investment. And I just feel like there's a real change in regard to that at the minute, Um, especially those businesses that certainly here in the UK are are already starting to sort of see some sort of recovery in, in their sectors. I was talking to someone at the weekend and um, I've known this person for quite a while and they're, they're far, far more advanced in, in business terms than I am. And, and they kind of said almost word for word that, you know, I, I get it now. My website is not something that I buy today and then buy again in five years or 10 years. Actually, I need to buy it now and keep investing, keep right. tweaking, keep moving it forward. Um, and I think especially when you tie that into kind of like your, your SEO, your PPC, it's really important that you think about think about it as something that, that's growing. I mean, would you agree with that? Are you saying any any changes in attitude when it comes to marketing? Yeah, for sure. I think everyone's selling online. So it's funny, like uh, it, it depends what country you're at also. But yeah, definitely a lot of people are selling online and they're going on, you know, it's surprising to see how many people still don't have websites. Um, But the people that do a lot of changes going on, there's, you know, Google is becoming mobile first, right? So everything has to be on mobile and there's responsive sites and then there's static websites because it's all about the loading speed. And for e-commerce, like we're working in Amazon. I was working on, on Amazon for the last three years. Sometimes you get the first spot on a search term and then then that changes and all of a sudden you're you know number 20 so it's everything's changing you obviously you know all the time you have to optimize i mean that's just the name of the game but it depends on i would say that the most expensive thing you can do with a website is a redesign and in a previous company i was at we did a redesign every year and a half which was way too much you know, everything changes the logo and the colors and the, the, it's like, it's crazy. So I would definitely, I think business owners need to be educated that the redesign is not the main thing you need to do. That you really need to create, you know, take different ideas for A-B tests and then test them. Test your menu, test your product pages, test your buttons. You know, some people think, oh, well, what's, you know, it doesn't matter what the color of my button is. Okay, maybe not, but the text of the button test your checkout process. So many little things you could test. So you can invest a little bit. You can hire a consultant you can do through like a, you can just use a tool on your own, but that's, you know, that's really important. But you know how many, so our market is predominantly the sort of SME businesses that, you know, the small business owners. And it's amazing how many of them, when you put their own website in front of them and they're kind of like, oh, I didn't know that did that. And it's like they've never tested their own site. They've never bought through their own site. They've never had that end-to-end experience themselves. So they don't know where those points of friction are. You know, they've not considered those. And it's, you know, and it it is great. Like some of the changes you can make are so small, but so significant. And, you know, we've had websites where changing the color of, you know, sort of saying to them, oh, well, is that a button? Because it doesn't look like a button. It doesn't look like, you know, you're changing the language so something reads as a call to action. And all of a sudden, that page on their site starts to function in the way it was de- intended to function. Right. And, and it is people just don't look at their own stuff enough. That's crazy. 
um, we have a, I have a funny example where we have a, we have like an onboarding. So like with Maple, we, we cater towards the brand and then we also cater towards the marketer, the, you know, freelancers that then we combine, we match them together. And so we had an onboarding process for the, for the brand. You know, you go from, you know, who are you, what you do and all these different things. What are your goals? What are your, who's your ideal customer, all that. And then we had the registration right in the beginning. We, you know, like, like every business, like we want a conversion, we want to lead right in the beginning. So people will drop off. Like, why, why would I want to register? Instead, we, we, we changed it recently a few months ago to have it right at the end. So then everybody does answers all these questions. We bring a ton of value to like, oh, I never thought about that. Oh, I wonder what this is. And they, they look at it and they do their research and whatever. And at the end, they register. So not only, okay, we got maybe less leads, but the conversion is much higher. And also um, that the leads that we're getting are much more qualified. They're people that actually want to go through the process. So it's really thinking about your customer. What are they like? What do they want? What is really going to bring them the value, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it is, it's not what you think, it's not what you believe is going to give them value. It's actually listening and talking to them. And, you know, I, you know, I, I have this thing where I talk about ideal clients and the reality is sometimes the clients that give you the most money are not your ideal clients. It's not purely financial. And you know, I'm working with businesses and I'm saying, right, go out and go out and speak to those three clients, current, previous, whatever, but the, you know, the, those clients that you wish you had 20 of. Go and find out everything you can about them, what their pains are, you know, if they could, you know, what that magic pill would be that they could take that would just get rid of all the issues in their businesses. That's what we need to create in terms of providing value. And it, it's really, true. really tough for people to get their heads around that and kind of build that into their conversations and, and listen on that level. Are, are there any tactics that you've used that have kind of worked in order to get that information and know what to give? Um, well, um, I was kind of more dealing with uh, B2C. So like we were selling floor lamps, but essentially... One time we just did a survey. We just sent a survey to all our, to all our customers and we asked them point blank, like what we, we, we asked them, what, we, what do you like? What kind of colors of the product? What kind of features? What, what would you be looking for? We also asked them what their income level is and what their, you know, like income bracket. It wasn't exact, you know, how much money do you make? But it was like a bracket. And so we learned a lot of information about our customers, you know? Okay, maybe only a small portion of them answered the thing but we actually learn what they're about and we could, and you know, it was better than just looking at Google analytics, you know? So it was, uh, that was very, very interesting. Um, so I would say that I would say either do heat maps or reach out to your customers and ask them, you know, why did you get my product? What is it solving for you? Cause so many people don't do that. They're either shy or they're afraid or they're, you know, we got we got a pro, we got a customer. Let's move forward. Let's get another one. But instead, focus on what you have. You know, mm. there's that adage, isn't it? It costs you know it costs far more to bring on a new client than it does to actually retain an old one. And right. you know, it's you know someone that's working with you already. It's usually a, an easier sell if you want them to do the next thing with you as well. So you know, it is. It's having those conversations are just so important. 
and especially you know we're pre- we're pretty much b to b all the way um and and so so are the majority of our clients so even the strategies that we're teaching them and from a training perspective work that way and it is it's that it's that human interaction it's yeah the data's great and obviously you've just mentioned google analytics which will tell us all sorts of things in terms of what trends to expect and and that sort of stuff but it's never as good as actually having those conversations and and really listening and really hearing what's required. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, sure. What have you seen something the last six months, twelve months that like really was a big win for you guys, a channel or a technique that really worked for you guys? Um, I've been so in terms of okay, so in terms of growing followers and that kind of thing, I've been. Um, tinkering around with things like WhatsApp broadcasts. Um, they, they've been working really, really well, but there's kind of a, there's a way of doing it, okay? So in terms of a re-engagement tactic, so like I said, you know, a lot of our guys are, um, are client base are B2B. I don't know what it what it's been like for for you over there, but you know in the UK it's you know we we kind of went into lockdown overnight. A lot of our clients, their their businesses, their pipelines just got cut off. Right. They were they were they were literally you know in paralysis from a business perspective. Um, like I already mentioned, we work with the SME market, so it's you know the, some of our clients are like you know thinking like you know crap, what am I going to give the kids for? dinner tonight you know it's 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 been that impactful so actually being able to reach out to those people not as someone trying to sell them something um but as a friend as a support um and being able to do that at scale has worked really really well because there were certain clients i wanted to reach out to within 24 hours basically you know, and, and do that. Yeah. And I and I have at, at um, different intervals kind of reached out to different segments um, and, and kind of worked that way. And we've done it with a couple of our clients as well, just as a re-engagement tactic. And it's just worked really, really well in terms of maintaining trust. I think right now trust is, um, it is kind of fragile. Right. So there are some there are some businesses where and actually if I look at my competitors as well, there are some of my competitors that kind of stopped and they laid off a load of staff and people kind of like are they going to be here in a few months' time? Do I need to shift my marketing now? Or, you know, and, and just kind of a little bit nervous of, of what might happen. Um, so in that situation, if you're, you know, if you're not able to operate in the usual way, it's just a really good way of saying, yeah, do you know what? I acknowledge business is not as usual, but I'm still here. I'm still solid. I'm still ready to serve and, you know, and all those kinds of things. And just the medium of that, com- that communication as well just allowed it to be a soft, genuine communication. We, if you mass email people saying, hey, just checking in, it's not authentic. It doesn't build trust. It doesn't build any credibility, but it it was quite an interesting tactic, but it was highly segmented, highly segmented. But then so, so, but you can't personalize the broadcast, right? You can like put in their first name and... Um, You can't personalize it, but 
You can personalize it in terms of, so thinking about the segment. So there are, pump, there are some people that message would go out to where you are quite formal, let's say. Um, and there are some, you know, even the way I, even the way you sign off a message. So, you know, with my close friends and family, I always sign off CX. Okay. If, um, if it's a business contact, it's always Christina. And it's just, it's like little silly things like that or not signing off at all. It just creates a different level of, um, you know, how close are we? Right. Uh, you know, it's like a level of intimacy. And again, I think that really, really worked in terms of it coming across as someone reaching out the hand rather than it being a, you know, this, this is a, um, you know, a, a marketing or a reassurance tactic or a sales tactic. So, yeah, it's quite, quite interesting the way that That's that worked. And, you know, from a split test perspective as well. Um, I've, I've played around with it in LinkedIn messages, like just how I sign my name off actually makes a difference to my response rate as well. What do you, what do you, like what different templates do you use? So if I sign something off the CX, people take that message as being, um, I'd say hyper-personalized. So I, I will keep it really, I will keep the message really, really short. So, you know, on LinkedIn, sometimes you get those like messages from people that are like you know they're a pitch because they go on forever. Right. Okay. Right. If you send someone a message that is literally one or two sentences and it's signed off in a way that is really, really personal, the way that message is, the sentiment behind that message when it's received is very much a one-to-one -one personal communication. And that tends to get a much better response rate. Cool. It's quite, quite interesting. Yeah, I've been seeing your I've been seeing your clips everywhere. Like you put, you know, I even try to sometimes it doesn't work to log into when you were live on LinkedIn. For some reason it doesn't load. Oh no. Very strange. Yeah, we do our um we do a live show. The Green Umbrella team, we do a live show every Thursday at 12 noon on um, Facebook and LinkedIn Live. Um and we nice, just hang nice. out and chat and it's yeah, content directed at our um, at the people that know us, basically. Do you ever remarket it or, you know, cut it yeah. and send it to places? Yeah, we repurpose it in lots of different ways. So um, we go live on YouTube with it now as well. And we it, it gets repurposed onto the Green Umbrella podcast, the social snippet show. Um, and we are, we're currently looking at editing it down as well into kind of little, almost like little um, clips that we can use in IGTV. Um, so we used to put the whole episode on IGTV, but we're looking at breaking it down into kind of like 10, 15 minute segments. That's great. Um, and just really focusing on the social media tips. Have you found that that, how do you prove the ROI of that? Like, have you tried or is your team completely on board that you don't have to, so the so this is the thing with content you've got to be really clear about why you're doing things mm -hmm. so the idea of that show is very much about the people that the people that know us and love us our raging fans if you like they get to know me i'm always out and about and you know at, at different events whether i'm in person speaking or virtually but the rest of the team are someone on the end of an email 
or someone on you know on the end of a phone call when you you call the office number so the purpose of that content was to allow people to feel more of a connection to the key people within the business and it's definitely done that definitely done that um, from an ROI perspective as well, it's really looking at the, um, you know, the overall reach of our social media presence. So the fact that we've got that show at the same time every week, people are returning visitors coming to to watch that each week as well. Now we're, we're seeing the, the you know the the numbers grow and grow and grow. That has had an impact across all our social media posts on Facebook, for example. So we're seeing overall growth across the page in itself. And, you know, for me, I don't measure results based on how many clicks I've had through from Facebook, how many leads I've had from LinkedIn. I look at all the leads coming into my business, mm. a relevant source, and I look at how much it's costing me to gain those leads. And as long as the leads are increasing and the cost is reducing, I'm getting ROI for my efforts. Oh, okay. So you loop all your efforts together you're saying yeah so i i have this real belief that you know the social media is the it's the thing you don't see when it comes to where your results come from you will put so much effort into creating your lead magnets you know your downloads your guides your blueprints um you know your your offers that people can you know here's your email address and you get 10 percent off your first order you know all of that that you create and you put together People only see it because you push it out on social. So actually you get a lead into your business and people will kind of map or, you know, the phone rings or you get an email out of the blue and you ask that person, where did you, yeah, where did you hear, hear about us? How do you know about us? And they're like, well, I found you, you know, I can't quite remember. I think I found you on Google because that's an obvious answer. People don't have to think about it. Whereas quite often, more often, more often than not, if you tracked it all the way back, there was a LinkedIn connection made at some point that really started that journey off. Nice. Maybe they saw an ad on social and signed up for your email or, you know, they, they went to the website and they, you know, did, didn't take action then, but, you know, that they, they just remembered it was green marketing something and that they've, you know, they've Googled that and they've come back again and they just remember their last touch. They don't remember the first touch. But then how do you know which channels you should double down on? That's about knowing your ideal client. It's about really, really understanding that, that persona, that avatar, where are they going to be hanging out? Um, what content are they going to engage with and what's the best platform for them to find that engagement um, or, or that content. So, you know, if I was, so let's talk about TikTok for a minute. Okay. If that's the type of content that my audience are going to be, or my ideal client is going to be looking for, they're not going to be looking on LinkedIn for it they are going to look at TikTok or Instagram reels for that type of content. So that's where I need to spend my time. And again, it's about that listening. It's about understanding where you're getting the reach, where you're getting the interactions, the engagement, um, and, and tapping into things that way. It, it's like we've got, we've constantly got two data sets. We've, we've got the, the data that is like the, the clicks and the, the impressions and the reach and all that kind of stuff. And then we've got the, the data that we can see when people essentially 
I describe it as they vote with their feet. Mm. Okay. You know, if, if I look at the people I want to do business with, if I'm constantly seeing them on LinkedIn and not on Instagram, I'm going to spend my time on LinkedIn. And it's just being really, really in tune with that. But, you know, again, I, I'm working B2B. So from a B2C perspective, what's like, what's your take on that? Um, well, that really depends. I mean, I was doing e-commerce. So we, for e-commerce, things could surprise you. Like we were selling lamps on, uh, on Amazon and then we had an idea about it and we tried on Etsy. So we kind of just, each platform has its own, you know, best practices. So it's, there's no question of where our customers hang out. I mean, there's the question of will people buy our lamps on Etsy or will they buy it on Amazon? And then you just optimize those sites. But from B2B, I think right now in Maple, we have a, we're kind of wondering, like our business owners, obviously on, our, on, on LinkedIn, um, most of our customers are doing ads on Facebook and Instagram, but we're wondering, should we go into optimizing our Instagram page and building it out, you know, and putting pictures of our team or whatever people do. And that's kind of, you know, some people on our team think, okay, well, our customers hang out on Instagram, but I'm not so sure about that, you know? So it's, it's an interesting question. It, do you know, I, so if you if we were having this conversation a week ago, I would say, you know, we have an Instagram account. We put some effort into that. Um, but the effort we put in is minimal because we're really, really clear that the objective there is reassurance. If you're looking to work with a marketing agency, a social media agency, and they're not on Instagram, you're probably going to have some questions. This is one of the most popular social media platforms right now, and they're not on there. Not sure they're the right agency for me. So for us, being being on Instagram purely serves that function. And, and a week ago, I'd have said to you, I'd have said that to you, and I'd have said, you know, the reality is we're never going to get business out of Instagram. But then literally last week, we got some business out of Instagram. We had an inquiry through the inbox. We've quoted it. It's got the go ahead. We're, we're implementing that project as we speak. Cool. So yeah. it's, you know, you, you, you never know what might happen. But, you know, I would say it's taken, you know, inst we've had an Instagram account for, you know, well, Instagram's about 10 years old now, isn't it? So yeah. um, yeah, we probably had an Instagram account for probably, you know, eight and a half, nine of those years. And I quite confidently would say that's the first piece of business we've had from that platform, um, directly from the platform. However, we also use it, and especially since we've had stories, we when we're on a recruitment drive, we use Instagram stories quite a lot from an employee, um, employer branding, employee engagement perspective as well. And that has worked really, really nicely when we're working on specific campaigns in that way. So right. it's really important we have this kind of, you know, I know what, like that platform, that objective. That's great, brilliant. So I remember at one point you were looking at things like automation in marketing and chatbots and, and that kind of stuff. Is that still an interest for you? Um, yeah, a little bit. And I think, 
I think what people think of automation is way different. So like for e-commerce, there's so much different automation you could do. There's email marketing automation where you, you know, you, you, you set up automatic emails to your customers on every touch point, but there's also, um, there's pricing automation, which is something people don't think about Like, for example, let's say you sell your product on your site for 50 bucks, but then on Amazon, you're totally underbid by your competitors and the same product is sold for like 20, right? So that you're going to lose, you're going to lose over there, but you can't, you don't want to match your price. You, you know, you don't want to, there's a lot that there's a lot of work there to go and find the pricing and make sure and, and monitor it. So there's tools out there that you can use like price sync, for example, that does it all for you automatically. And then, it change, sometimes competitors may change something over the weekend or for a sale. So it automatically, you set it up with different rules, you know, don't go below a certain point, don't go above a certain point, and then it maximizes it for you. So that's an amazing thing of it. You know, that's amazing type of automation. Um, I think with chatbots, you have to be careful. Um, it was actually surprising when I, when I joined Maple, I wanted to, I saw they don't have any pop-ups. So I said, what are you doing? You don't have any pop-ups. It's like standard. And what I found that instead of a pop-up, people convert on the chatbot. So there's like a live chat and it's just way more engaging. You know, how can I help you? Here's a cool article instead of, hey, don't leave. You know, it's like way more <laughs> engaging. So there's different, every industry has its own thing. I and mean, I would say for depending on which business you're at, if you're, you know, selling a specific product, I would definitely go for pop-ups. But if you're more B2B, I would definitely do more like a live chat option. And then sometimes I've been on sites in the last few weeks where they have like three pop-ups going off at once. They have the live chat and then the push notification and the this and that. And it's crazy. It's way too much. So it just, you know, automation is great. It just depends on, you know, how, you know, you gotta, you know, gotta know how to use it and balance. When it comes to chatbots, what's your kind of, um, what's your poison of choice? What's the tool that you would, you would automatically go to from a chatbot perspective? For B2B, I would definitely use ManyChat. Uh, it sets up like landing pages for you where essentially you can put a piece of content on LinkedIn and then say, okay, hey, my link is in the comments, right? And then they click on the link and it's a landing page that connects them to messenger directly so then they get added to your list and then you could send them you know messages that look completely personalized mm -hmm. you know hey first name here it is here's your you know and you can continue that conversation and i tried it just just for fun a few years ago and i got like 30 subscribers from one post i didn't you know it was for people that really want to grow their brand maybe i should go back to that and try it for maple but i think 30 subscribers was great for me, you know? Mm. I, I think this is the thing when, you know, as, as marketers, we get served all these different, like, you know, the new technology, the, the, the latest trends and you go, oh, you have an idea and you try something, you think, yeah, that's going to be amazing. And you, you play with it. And then by the time you've kind of tested it and you've got a result, something else shiny has happened and you're like on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I think sometimes certainly are, I've got to say we, but I can be guilty of, you kind of do something and then all of a sudden it's like 12 months later and you're talking to someone, you're going, 
oh yeah we you know well, why why didn't we ever do that again and it's just like things are moving at such a pace i mean is there anything in particular that you um can see coming that you think is going to be really big or that you're doing now that you think is like is working really really well um from a marketing strategy perspective or a tactic that you just think is this is something we should always be doing for b2b or b2c either i think i think for e-commerce specifically i think i would recommend for people to go into many channels at once so i think online marketplaces are becoming huge like etsy used to be just for handmade products right so like aunt fanny would make a you know whatever a bracelet and then she would sell it but now they're allowing companies that manufacture products to go on there also and then you know you just put you know as manufacturer here so so manufactures it for me but if it's designed by the owner of the company then you can put it on there and that broadens that their customer base so much and um so going into that and then you know like we grew our Etsy shop from 0 to $30,000 a month just in a few months just because you know of customer service so i think customer service is huge if people want to be talked to they would they want to they want to have really personal communication and they want to be answered like every if you answer within 24 hours uh that's one thing and people kind of they kind of assume okay if i email them they'll probably respond in, in a day or two but with with chat especially for b2b I've so many times I've chosen a company over its competitors because they just they answered me within 20 minutes or whatever 10 minutes somebody was there so that's what we were doing with eClincher as well there was always we hired people in different time zones that could answer a customer at any time 24/7 and that I think that's huge oh it you know it's weird we're however many years into using eclincher now and it is a even now that's one of the reasons we you know if we if people ask us why we use it it's that responsiveness it was the we tell you know can, can the system do this we need it to do that and if it didn't do it straight away it would be on the road map and we'd see it appear you know sometimes a week later there would be an announcement and here's this new functionality and you know it was kind of you really you had that level of responsiveness from from the team there um and most of those communications they're just they're initiated through the the chat feature on the platform um and and you're just going back and forth on there it's being reconfirmed by email it, and it's just there's there was just never any still isn't any friction when we're we're working with them um which is fantastic Just thinking about the multi-channel thing, what kind of challenges would you from your experience, what challenges would you warn people about or kind of people need to think really think about before they sort of start to go down that route? I think a lot of times people want to try some channel and they're not sure about it and then they want to hire a company to run it for them, you know, and some, you know, if you want to go into affiliate marketing, then you hire some agency that does affiliate marketing. Um, and the problem with that is that often sometimes you just need to slow down and do some research and it could be that you could just do it yourself and so a lot of times i've had a few hit and misses where we would hire a company to help us and they totally achieved nothing you know and so even you know i ended up basically managing about 15 different channels and we didn't go all in on any one or two of them 
but altogether that really grew the business. So I would, I would recommend for people to, even if you don't think you have the time or the resources to go into something and you, you know, you've read a playbook on it and you think, wow, this, this is a huge world out there and I don't know anything. You should just start. And when you, you just do a little bit of it, you know, you don't need to be an expert, you know, you don't even influencer on that thing. And then you try that. And then, um, you know, if you want to hire somebody to run it, that it really has to be profitable. And I would definitely say focus on the ROI because a lot of times people try to sell us something, you know, or, uh, you know, I'll get you this, I'll get you that. But it's really all about the ROI. Um, and sometimes some things don't work. And so, for example, Instagram influencers, um, sorry, YouTube influencers, that's something that's really powerful. People say, you know, big brands use them and YouTubers of all kinds are out there. But that's something that didn't really work for us in home decor. So that was a difficult choice. Well, what do we do? Cut the whole channel or do we try to throw more money at it? And so we basically focused on the ROI and we calculated exactly what we would need, a, how many clicks would we need, how many impressions, all of that. And we just realized that it just wasn't worth it at that time. Mm -hmm. So that's totally fine. You know, there's certain trends. You don't have to follow the trends. And it's all going to be working depending on the business and the industry. I, th I think that's, um, it's, there's a couple of things there that you said that are really important. It's the get, getting started is, is just, that's the key to success often. Right. If you don't get started, you'll never get to the success bit. Um, and once you have started, you can improve. So whether it's just being able to take the next step or, you know, look at the data and tweak something, quite often it's it's just getting started that is the is the biggest battle um and you know and the other thing with that as well is that not you know not everything we do is going to be the right thing not everything we do is going to work um you know you'll try and do things and they'll like i said that you know we, we mentioned earlier the live stream we do every thursday we could have been six weeks in and, you know, still only find that, you know, two people were joining the live stream or, you know, we were only getting 25 views on the video after a week. Well, you know, we're, we're at week 31 now and there's a reason why we keep doing it. And it's because actually not only can we look at the stats in terms of reach and views and impressions, but we're talking to people and, you know, you've mentioned that you've seen it on LinkedIn. You know, we talk to other people and they reference, it's really, really bizarre when someone references something that was said in that video. And I'm thinking, you actually watched it? Right. <laughs> but, but the thing, it's like, it's like I said, it's two sets of data, right? It's, it's what people are actually doing and, and what all the clicks and everything else are telling us. Um, but equally, if it wasn't working, if no one knew it was happening, if no one had, had spotted the notifications, we weren't getting the views we'd have stopped it. You know, we'd have got to, you know, week six or week 12 and said, okay, it's week 12. You know, this is the final week. Goodbye, everybody. Um, and and it's, it's important to know when to stop on things as well and just draw a line and go, yeah, that didn't work. Right, what should we do next? Did you have any kind of goal for if it doesn't hit this many views, then we're going to quit it? 
No, it was the week that we started it was the week that we closed the office here. And at that point, you know, we would regularly have clients come into the office and, uh, you know, new clients that we were onboarding, that kind of, they would get to meet the team that essentially it's going to be looking after them. And I just thought, how can I recreate that when we go online? We are a really close-knit team here. People come into the office and I, I think they genuinely, I think they, they see and feel and enjoy that. So it was like, how can we actually put a little bit of that online? And if some of, if some of our clients tune in on a Thursday and whilst they're working, they've got, you know, us lot going on in the background, um, talking rubbish and dropping a few hints and tips along the way. It gives them a bit of company. It was going to be worthwhile. The reality is it's grown. We've been able to, so every two weeks we have a guest on. So that's, you know, it could be one of our clients. It could be someone that we know from the, the industries that we serve, sectors that we serve, Um, you know, and, and it's just become a really good, it's a good opportunity to shout about some fantastic businesses that we're aware of and some um, an amazing and some amazing people in business and give them kind of the floor to to showcase what they do as well. Um, and like I said, it, it's still it's creating that world where people get to know our team. I want people to buy into the brand that is Green Umbrella. Um, this podcast is very much about Christina, the the person. Um, but for me, it was like, actually, how do we, from a brand perspective, it's not about no like, and trust. It's, it was more no like trust and love, you know, and be advocates of, and, and, you know, buy in on a, on a much deeper level. Um, and, and I think, you know, some of the opportunities we've had, the conversations we've had, it is working and working really, really well, um, although my team still hates doing it. None of them actually really want to be on a live stream or they're all really... Um, all camera shy? Yeah, they're co- kind of introverts. They, they do, they're far more comfortable with it now, but they're still that very much we do it because we have to, um, which is really interesting. Wow, that's great. How do you get a group of introverts on a live stream? That should be a masterclass on its own. Yeah, I think you just have to be really scary <laughs> or drop it in their laps like I did the first week. Oh, really? <laughs> we're going to do this and we're going to do it now. That's how um, it started? Yeah, pretty much. Amazing. Yeah, it's, um, it's, do you know, this is the thing with live streaming. You just got to jump in and do it, right? Right. And, um, and yeah, I, I just think it, it is so, so many people are nervous of it, but it's much easier to do a live stream than actually record a video of yourself, far less time consuming as well. So um, when you live stream, you've got one take. When you're right. recording something on your phone, it's like you can do it 20 times before you get it right. And it's taken you an hour or right. more. Cool. Sure. Okay, Ben. Well, that's um, a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for for joining me today. Um, We'll we'll wrap up this episode now. Um, Where can people reach out to you? Where's the best best place for people to find you? Best places on LinkedIn. Um, They can also check out maple.com and our blog, which is really uh, some of the coolest stuff on e-commerce there. I'm biased because I write most of it. 
and uh yeah well thank you yeah. again and um and yeah, so we much. will speak again soon. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>